Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. We have our, I guess we'd call it our regular panel here, because we've been having about the same panel members most of the time for the past several weeks, of Steve Wilson. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He has a master's degree from there. He is a Christian author, a computer game programmer. Mick Wells has been a member of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And Vicki Cundiff is with us today. Vicki is one of the associate pastors at Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. And one of the things that um, I think it was, Steve, you were really kind of excited about this kind of idea about uh, sharing some of our personal testimonies. This kind of gets the idea of um, who are we as panelists? Hopefully you've been listening for a long time. I know that, uh, Mick, when you talk about cross-connection, you say that we hope that you're getting to be a regular listener a lot of times. I hope that the people who are listening to Reconciling Grace are getting to be regular listeners as well. And hopefully um, you'd like to maybe get to know a little bit more about those of us who have been panel members. And so I'll be the um, guinea pig here and start out by giving my testimony. And honestly, this idea about giving testimonies is based on scripture. And Vicki, I've asked if you would uh, read one of these scriptures. And in fact, uh, I guess that I said that you said you would read it even before you said you would read it. That's correct. But I will read it. <laughs> and it's from 1 Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. To give the reason for the hope that I have. Well, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know if every Christian has done this. I don't know that um, I used to hear testimonies when I was a younger child, but by the time I came to the Church of the Nazarene in my uh, 20s, I used to hear a lot of testimonies then. Um, it's not quite done so often in the Church of the Nazarene, at least not in the congregations I've been part of here in the last uh, decade or so. But um, what is a testimony? A testimony is, well, this is my personal story. This is how I came to be where I am today, how the Lord worked in my life to get me to where I am. So let me just give a quick overview, and I hope it's fairly quick. I don't want to bore anybody here. But I was born into a Roman Catholic family, and um, I knew about God from some of the earliest ages that I can remember. I mean, I'm talking before I was five years old. I have specific memories of being taught about God, about being taught that there is a God. In fact, one of the things I remember was um, my parents got me up out of bed one night, and I must have been about four years old, and I know that because of where we were living at the time. Uh, they got me up out of bed one night because they wanted me to see as much of the movie as I could, King of Kings, and that was the uh, movie about Jesus starring Jeffrey Hunter that was made, I think, around 1961, which is the year I was born. And um, 
So I had this sense about knowing about God. They really seemed to try to encourage me in the faith my youngest years. Now, the problem was that by the time I got to be about maybe six, seven years old when we moved from that house where we were, um, we kind of, as a family, fell away from going to church. Now, I had still this sense of understanding about God, and I think I've shared with the people here before that one day I went to play with uh, my playmates over uh, around the corner from our house, and they weren't there because they were at their next-door neighbor's house because their next-door neighbor was having their church have a vacation Bible school at their home. And I think I was probably about seven or eight years old at this time. I'm sorry, I do not remember the specific year. Nobody told me I needed to remember it back then. So, um, But I can still remember standing in that house on 55th Place in LaGrange Highlands, Illinois, and going up to the front of the living room, because that's where the lady was teaching, and asking Jesus into my heart, because that's what she said I was supposed to do, and I wanted Jesus in my heart. And the very next day, I went back to Vacation Bible School, and I went up again. Why? Because I wanted to make sure. Now, I mean, that might not be theologically proper, but you know what? That was the faith of a child. How old were you, Pete? I was probably about seven or eight years old. That's okay. my that's my estimate right there. And, and, and I want to ask a question, mm-hmm. too. Why did you want Jesus in your heart? I what, wish. What, what led you to, to desire that? I wish I could remember. I honestly don't remember. You know, again, I was seven or eight years old, but I think it had to do with having this sense of God and having been taught about God and wanting to know that I was doing the right thing by God. Um, I was going to get into a little bit of this maybe a little bit later, but let me just say at this point in time that I was brought up not just by my parents, but it seemed like by teachers, by grandparents, by whoever— where I wasn't often encouraged, but I was often discouraged from doing the wrong thing, if that makes sense. It was kind of more of a a negative reinforcement about, you know, not... I hated being in trouble. I hated getting in trouble. And I, I wanted to do the right thing by God. So... I wish I could tell you that I remember exactly why I did that, Steve, but but I don't. I just know that I did. And just as an illustration of how sincere I was, I can still picture in my mind walking down the street. We had no sidewalks. It was a side street. Walking down the street and praying. But I was looking at my chest because Jesus now lived in my heart. (laughs) Now, again, is that theologically proper? No, but that's the faith of a child. And when I look back on that, it took me a long time to understand this. But I still believe that that was when I was, if you want to use the word, saved. You know, a lot of uh, Christians use the word, when were you saved? That's when I was saved. That's when I believe that Jesus came into my life at my invitation. Now, here's where I differ from a whole lot of people. Nobody followed up with me, as far as I know. Now, if they did, maybe they came and talked to my parents, and my parents were just enough Catholic that that they said no. I don't know. Maybe that never happened. Maybe that did happen. I just have no knowledge if that happened or not. But there was no follow-up. So I really had no instruction. But I was always interested in, in wanting to do what Jesus wanted me to do. I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't instructed. I didn't go to church. I didn't. Uh, 
I didn't know where to go to church. You know, I would have had to have a, a ride to church at that time in my life. But let me just fast forward because it was my um, sophomore year in college. I was at Valparaiso University. Valparaiso University is a Lutheran school. And I didn't go there because it was a Lutheran school. I mean, I'm not going to get into all of the details about why I ended up going to Valparaiso University. Suffice it to say, I didn't like school at all, and I didn't want to go to college at all, but it just ended up that I ended up at Valparaiso University. And I ended up in a fraternity where there were a couple of brothers specifically who were very dedicated Christians. And it was through them and their witness that I was told that I need to give every part of my life to Jesus. And I can still remember what I did. We, we lived in a fraternity house where we were packed in there. I, I, my bed was the top of a triple bunk, okay? And I can still remember getting done with a conversation with one of these two guys. And I walked in and somehow I had privacy. I was able to go into that room by myself. And I crawled up to that triple bunk top bed and I prayed this prayer and I said, Lord, would you come into my heart and clean out every corner of my heart from all that crud, that was the word I used, crud, and replace it with your Holy Spirit. Well, I believe he did. Mm. And you know, Church of the Nazarene, which I still had not heard of yet by this time, they would call that entire sanctification. And it took me many, many years to understand that that's when I was entirely sanctified. But from that point on, I said, I'm living my whole life for Jesus. And from there, I realized that I was, I was a vocal music major. My, my idea was to become an opera singer. But I realized soon that that was what other people's idea was for what I should be. I never loved it. I never really wanted to do that, but I still learned a lot of the classical vocal techniques, and the Lord led me from there into being on two separate traveling music ministry teams for a year each, where we did concerts basically six nights a week. We had one night off. This is kind of where I get my idea of making sure to have a Sabbath day even to this day, because they gave us one day off a week. And from there, I ended up going to one church from those two groups went to one church in common, and that was Grace Lutheran Church in the big, roaring town of Eaton, Ohio. And the second year I was there, the pastor remembered me from the year before, and they had just lost a youth pastor due to a health issue. And they were looking for another one, and my friend, the same one who, by the way, was with me in college, said, hey, Pete, that sounds like just the kind of thing you're looking for. Next thing you know, I'm interviewing for this job, and here's this boy who grew up in the Chicago area moving to the big, booming town of Eaton, Ohio, as a youth minister. And it was while I was there that um, my wife and I met, and my wife is uh, third-generation Nazarene. Well, I became a, a... not Nazarene right away, because between Lutheran and Nazarene, we tried Methodist. So this is why I use Mick's favorite term. I call myself a Catholutha-Metharene, because <laughs> I, I had all that different background. And from there, um, I ended up, we ended up getting married. And, um, you know, I, I've lived my life for Christ ever since then. And a lot of different things have happened. There's been different things in my life, what I've been called to do ministry-wise. But that's basically, in a nutshell, 
my testimony. Now, a lot has happened more in those in those years since 1980 and since probably around 1969 when I asked Jesus into my life. But I'm going to stop there. We have about a minute before we have to take our first commercial break. Does anybody else want to ask any questions? Yeah. When you became a Christian through the process you mentioned there, how, if at all, did it impact your relationship with your family or your parents? Honestly, I don't know that it did. Um, I just can't remember, again, especially the, the, the first time when I asked Jesus into my heart, I was still a kid, and I was going to be a kid. Now, I hope that I was trying to do the right things, but by the time I was uh, in college and I, I came home for my first break after sophomore year, I think every other word out of my mouth was Jesus. And I think I drove them absolutely nuts um, because every other word out of my mouth was Jesus. And I think I was realizing then that uh, my idea of being a Christian had drastically changed. And even at some points there, I think that um, some parts of my family who I thought were Christians may not have been. So I hope that answers your question, sure. Mick. Thanks. So uh, right now, I think we're right about at the point where we need to take that uh, break for our commercial and let us do that. And then I'll come back and hopefully answer any other questions that um, the group may have about my testimony. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and um, as I said, I'm being the guinea pig today of being the guy who's starting out with sharing our personal testimonies here based on the scripture from 1 Peter 3.15 to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And uh, as we went to the break, uh, as we were in the break, Steve was saying that uh, he had a question. So, Steve, what did you want to ask? Well, you talked about you started growing up in a Catholic family, and they gave you a knowledge of God. Uh, I wonder, did you ever think about going back to the Catholic Church uh, after you uh, prayed that prayer in college? Actually, yes, I did. Um, I, I was at a college, as I said, where it was a Lutheran school, but there was a specific um, Catholic off-campus uh, church there, and I actually did go a few times to there, and it just didn't seem to be where God was leading me. I did, uh, I did look back into that. I, I tried it out. Um, one of the things that I want to say is this, that because of my varied and diverse background when, when it comes to Christianity, I have found that there are things that I don't always agree with, with various different denominations, but I think that my, my varied background at least helps me to have a respect for those things, even if I don't agree with them. So there are a lot of things in the Catholic doctrine that, that I don't agree with, but I also kind of know, at least a lot of the times, where they're coming from on that and understand why they believe what they believe, even though it's not necessarily the same thing that I do. You know, Pete, as I think about your testimony, and even as a little boy, um, it just popped into my head how God was wooing your heart. You know, you're in vacation Bible school, and, you know, God speaks to you, and you give your heart to Him, and like you said, you're a kid. You don't really understand everything that's going on with you, but yet the Holy Spirit came and wooed your heart and entered into your heart. And, you know, Bible tells us that God has plans for us, you know, and obviously He had a plan 
to call you to preach, even way back, way back then. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that and I see how God wooed this little boy <laughs> and went through these different uh, experiences, you know, in churches and everything, but then called you to preach. So I'd like to hear about how that came about, your call to preach. I think that a lot of people who may have known me as a little boy find out that I'm a preacher and they go, what? You know, because they, they, I don't think they would have thought it. Now, I wasn't really a bad, bad kid. You know, I, I, I guess I was one of these people, even when I was in college, I would say, how can God use me? I, would, I never did anything really, really bad that I had to be saved from. But, you know, I, I, I don't mean it in that bad way. But, you know, you always heard the people who got very famous had this testimony, you know, I was saved from being this gang member or, 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 or some, you know, big, bad person. I, I really was trying to be a nice guy even even beforehand but then again i still look at some of that and say maybe that's because god had his hand on me and god was living within me with his spirit without my realizing that how much he was affecting me but anyway getting back to the call to preach ricky um i think i was called into ministry in general when i was still in college because again i went on the road with those two christian singing groups mm-hmm. um but there was a specific time in my life where I had literally just lost a job. And I lost this job right before I was scheduled to go on a short-term mission trip to Russia with Josh McDowell's ministry. Um, and while I was in Russia, knowing that I was coming home not having a job in place, and knowing that I could have tried to get part of that money back I just kept thinking about John Mark and how he left the mission field. And I didn't feel like I could do that. I felt like I still had to go to Russia, which was probably about three weeks after I'd lost my job. And so I went, and I can still remember sitting on a bus in Russia. This was a bus of, of, of all the missionaries. We had about 400 people there, and we were set up into bus groups. And I was sitting on this bus waiting at a warehouse because we we're going to get the supplies out of the warehouse that we we're going to be passing out to the people. And as I was on that bus, it was as though God spoke to me and says, ministry, now not necessarily sitting on a bus or doing mission work, but I want you to do this all the time. And it was during that trip that Josh McDowell and other people who were leading the devotions were talking about something called vocational ministry, meaning that I was called and I could realize at that point that God was calling me into doing something that my whole life needs to be part of ministry. Now, my understanding of vocational has changed over the years, but it wasn't more than about a week or so after I got back from Russia, maybe two weeks or so, that I realized that God was calling me to preach. And it was at that point where my focus kind of moved away from music ministry and into preaching ministry. And I believe I got back from Russia in... August of that year, which would have been 93, and I think I started my Bible college classes by September. And so from that point on, God was nurturing that call in me to preach. And you were an evangelist for how many years? Well, um, officially, I didn't get my first district license until 1995, but I actually preached in my first revival in late 1993. So once I got my first district license from the Church of the Nazarene, I was an evangelist for nine years, but I'd been doing it for 11 years. And then I was called, uh, I like to say I was assigned to a church. Um, God called me to that specific church, I believe. Um, And that's in fact where I met Steve, was at that particular church. Uh, Steve came on board as, as my 
uh, youth pastor, or what was it, pastor to uh, youth and families with children or something like that. I think that's what it was called, wasn't something it? Something like that? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's where I met Steve. But uh, I've, I've, I've mostly been um, sensing calls into preaching and teaching ministry since then. Yeah. But you felt that call to be that evangelist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That was where, where God was calling me. Yeah. And I know I, I've been an evangelist as well from years, and so I know it's specific. And so that's why I was wondering, mm-hmm. you know, how it was for you. Well, I think right now my call is, and always has been, to vocational ministry. Now, what does vocational mean? That's what I've been struggling with over the past couple of years, because vocational, in my mind, had always meant, this is how you're going to make your living. Well, it ain't happening right now. (laughs) I mean, honestly, uh, folks, if you're listening, all of those of us who are on this panel are doing so volunteer. You know, I'm I'm with Faith and Friends Radio. I have been with with them for the past four years or so. That's all volunteer, but I'm putting in a lot of time. And what it is, is I'm spending my time and saying, this is my vocation. Praise the Lord, he has got my wife working in a position now where she is able to supply our financial needs and our medical insurance needs and such to the point where I am able to do this kind of ministry. And right now, uh, you know, sometimes my wife goes through struggles in her job, and that's a struggle for me because I keep feeling like, you know, she's usually using her gifts and graces. Right now, she's going through a difficult time at work, and I hope that I'm not sharing anything that I'm not supposed to, but um, at the same time, she's going with it. And we were just talking about this the other day, that that we're trying to be a team, and she's trying to um, make sure that she understands that she is part of this team, and by her doing that, she's allowing me to be able to continue this kind of ministry. Pete, one of the things I struggle with in my own life is trying to actually get a handle on or discern what the Spirit's telling me to do. Have you always felt like in the course of your uh, ministry in your life that you've always been in the center of God's will, or how have you discerned uh, the changes that that took place in your life in terms of direction? I think that's a couple of different questions there. Have I always felt like I was in the center of God's will, I would say generally, and this is a broad, broad generally, yes, or at least I'm trying to be. Um, At the same time, have I always known what that will is? No, it's been a struggle. There have been awful lots of struggles. As I said, I kind of alluded to it before. How can I be in a vocational ministry when I'm not making any money? that's something that the Lord seems to have been working with me on, particularly within the last year. Um, there have been times and seasons where it's like, Lord, where are you leading me? Lord, what is going on? Lord, and I, I, I don't know what you're trying to show me. Generally speaking, what happens is I just get a peace about something, finally. But for a long time, I don't have a peace. And I struggle with it. And I don't understand it. And, and the Lord knows that I'm going through those times, and, and those are the difficult times in my life when I just don't have that, that peace. But right now, as of today, and this might change tomorrow, I have a peace about where I am. Um, now, should the Lord want me to go into a paid ministerial position? I might not turn it down, but I think I'd be less tempted to take something right now just for the money 
than I might have been maybe a year ago. So in what other ways, uh, are there other ways where you can track that, okay, God uh, showed me this at this time and, and this at this time? Do you have specific points of growth? And to follow up on that, how is he growing you now? I think I would have to think long and hard about saying, you know, well, when I was 25, he had me do this or that or whatever. I think I think I'm just going to acknowledge that those things have happened, but I can't come up with a specific right off the top of my head and right with our our time um, factors being what it is. So let me let me address the last point. There is how is God helping me to grow now? And really, I think this is something that's been in my heart for maybe the last couple, three, four years, something like this. I'm dealing with the idea that I'm getting older. And that might sound odd. I mean, right now, as we speak today, I'm 57 years old. And um, it's not an old person, um, especially by today's standards. You know, 100 years ago, 57 may have been thought of as fairly old. But at the same time, I've been having to realize that my body doesn't do all the things it used to do. My my mind isn't quite as sharp as it maybe used to be. I find myself falling asleep a lot more when I just sit down. Um, things like that are happening more and more. And I think I've been realizing that at my age, at least for me, and I'm not trying to say that this is something universal for everybody, I feel as though God is letting me know that that's okay. I don't have to be striving to grow and get more uh credits for more uh, ministry, what I call it, continuing education or lifelong learning that the Church of the Nazarene says, I have to have at least 20 of these lifelong learning hours per year and stuff. And it's like, why? You know, one of the things that I want to say, and Steve, this is going to be kind of diametrically opposed to the way the Lord has led you. I hope I never, ever, ever have to go to school again. (laughs) I am not... Me either. Okay, well, I am not a good student when it comes to that. To try to take tests and try to get graded on them and, and try to say, you need to learn this because we think it will make you a well-rounded person, I say baloney. I just do not believe that. I I do not work best in that way. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to learn. I, I, I like to learn, but I don't want to go back to school. And you know what? The Lord shows me in those ways, Steve, to answer your question, that's okay. And it's more about relying on his grace rather than saying, you need to keep growing and keep growing. Um, ironically, I keep growing by doing that. Okay. What's the fruit of the spirit that you think you've struggled the most to develop? <laughs> oh, I, I love that question just because um, I used to think back when I was in my college days, well, I got this love thing taking down. Now I got to move on to joy and then I can move on to peace. You know, it doesn't work that way. The fruit of the spirit is all those put together. Um, so the question is, what's the hardest one for me? Yeah. Um, when I'm driving, patience. Um <laughs> Sometimes when I'm around the grandkids, patience. Um, you know, I love my grandkids. Don't don't misunderstand me, but I've noticed that I seem to have a lot more desire for quiet now than I did 20 years ago or, or 30 years ago. There's a reason, Steve, why 
God let you be a youth minister and why he let me leave youth ministry after only about two and a half years, and that was when I was in my mid-20s. I love kids. Don't misunderstand me. I love my grandkids, but to be around them constantly just takes it out of me, and I would say that patience is sometimes one of them that, that I have a hard time dealing with. Pete, do you have what I would call a life's verse, one that comes to mind in your times of need? Sure, and I think I'm going to have to make this the last question just because of time, and it's a great question to end on. Actually, there are two of them. Um, One of them uh, is Colossians 3.17, which says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the other one um, is even more important to me, maybe, than John 3.16 is John 14.6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father but through me. And with that, I hear the music playing in the background. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed this testimony time of mine today. This is Pete Vecchi for Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.